Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster and a writer for Fresh Take Hub. And as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host. Hi everyone, Tom Gappy here, your beloved comic book Shogun, who's finally recording in his own room and is not ill and is not just shoved in his mate's attic uh, making a podcast. So that's, I'm, I'm stepping up in the world. We're back in business. I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I'm back, man. Got my posters and everything. It's cool. So today, it's not going to be a new show. It is going to be a review show. We've waited nine weeks for this now. Uh, so here it is. We are pondering the question, what if? That's right. We're going to be doing a spoiler discussion going into the Marvel Cinematic Universe latest entry, What If, on Disney Plus right now, available to stream all episodes. But to do that, we've brought a guest aboard. So please welcome back to the show, writer and director, Rob Ayling. Well, thank you for having me back, lads. Um, hopefully by popular demand, probably not. Um, but uh, yeah, th- thank you. No, it's uh, always great to be with you guys and chatting movies, comics and TV shows. So uh, yeah, let's ponder that question of what if, eh? Um, yeah, should be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This is... You know, a very interesting project for Marvel. It's something that is extremely new for them to to, uh, tackle. Well, I not say Marvel, but the MCU, Marvel Studios. Um, So, Rob, what was your overall thoughts of this whole show now that all nine episodes have finished? Did they succeed? I think so. (laughs) I'm going to try and I'll try to be calm. For the most part, like I, th- I feel like I've got to give like a disclaimer for your listeners and to you guys, but I have a very mixed feeling on this series as a whole. If I'm completely honest with you, I do think ultimately it will be a success for Marvel because once again, it is you know it's it's Marvel through and through. That you know each episode does exactly what it says, which is it is a Marvel what if and emphasis on the Marvel there and. For me, there are moments of greatness, but there are also moments of, okay, um, <laughs> you know, not, <laughs> you know, really. Um, and we'll get to one of them in particular where I do have very strong feelings about, but ultimately, if I'm just doing a quick overall, it is, you know, the, the some of the animation is absolutely stellar and that's the one thing we cannot really, you know, argue about really but i think my main problems with it is just in terms of its stories and its opportunities to really take those stories and actually go further with them because there are moments where they do that and then there's moments where they just really really drop the ball so that's kind of my overall which is in summed up in a word it's just um well not a word but a mixed bag that's literally it, a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yourself, Tom, how, how are you thinking now that the season's over? Uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as Rob where I'm looking at the series and I'm like, it's good, but it needs refinement, I think. I think definitely with more seasons, um, you know, you're going to see an improvement in it because they'll, they'll take on board like what fans have said, like which episodes didn't do as well. Um, so I think in the future, like we'll start to get some really, really great uh, content out of that. Um, 
when it was great, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, shout out to everyone knows this is going to get shouted out, but the Doctor Strange episode was just spectacular. And then What If Ultron 1 just took it up another level. That was cape shit at its absolute finest. Um, so yeah, I remember being like, initially after watching the first episode, being like a bit, oh, I'm actually... I'm actually kind of disappointed by a Marvel product. This is this this is sad. Um, luckily, the second episode railed me in again, and I was like, okay, it was just growing pains. Um, so I think overall, I did like the show. I think as it's as a complete story, even though it was like multiple small stories, um, I think it was great. But yeah, I think it definitely needs refinement. I think they just need to not necessarily pick more interesting stories but just like pick stories that like allow them to get a bit crazy or a bit more emotional with it and for god's sake if you have like another zombies episode where people's friends are turning and dying around them stop making goddamn quips just stop (laughs) ah so yeah overall i'd say i'm mostly positive but i do think the show needs a bit of work just to take it up to the standard we'd come to expect from the MCU and Marvel Studios as a whole. No, I have to agree with both of you. It is very much for me as well, a very mixed bag. Um, uh, yeah, you could say leaning towards more positive than negative, but it is very on the cusp of being quite average as a series overall, just because of, for me, the inconsistency of episodes that... Like you, Tom, I was disappointed with the first episode. Second episode picked me up. Third episode dropped me back down. Fourth episode you know, picked me up again. It was just like that. And I'm just like, this is not sustainable as a series If you're, because they've also planned a season two. You know, that's coming down the line. And I just felt as well that some, especially in the last episode where, because there, there was some behind the scenes Uh, drama regarding this because of the pandemic and were they going to finish this on time and they had to cut an episode which was the Gamora and Tony Stark episode and I feel as if you could definitely see that in the final product towards the end where they did drop the ball there a bit on how they were connecting all of these stories together for it all to make sense and with the individual stories themselves even the ones that I really did like I still felt a bit like ah, you're really trying to cram too much story in the space of 30 minutes. And that everything was moving at such a relentless pace. Nothing had time to breathe. Nothing had time to like sort of sit on or anything like that. And like a lot of them also ended on this huge cliffhanger. And I'm just thinking, are we getting a season, like with the season two, are we getting new stories? Is this continuing? Because I just felt very unsatisfied with a lot of the endings because they didn't really have an ending. It was left on this, oh, this is going to happen next. And you're like, well, what happens? (laughs) The only one that followed through was the last two episodes I I found. So it it just really had me wanting more of it. You know what I mean? I felt some of the writing was well done, but I just wanted more. Like, let's have more time with these characters in this world. Um, because, the, you know, I'll bring this up as well. There are certain iterations of characters that, uh, which I'm like, you know what? There's an element of these characters which I prefer than the actual m- main MCU um, canon. Like, particularly Ultron. We'll get into that when we get to those episodes. But 
So it and I, I did think the voice cast did a pretty good job overall, but I am also curious about the, they got some members of the original cast but not others. I'm really curious about what the process was on there because even Dave Bautista, somebody asked him on Twitter, like, why are you not voicing Drax? And he was like, they didn't even call me. <laughs> Which I'm a bit like, what? Like, surely they would have contacted you or your agent or, or somebody, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. So I'm, you know, granted, you're not going to get RDJ. <laughs> you know, he's obviously gone. But everyone else, I'm like, it's free game. Do you know what I mean? So... Bit unsure on the choice of the cast list, but the fact that they got everyone back who they could get back was stellar. And of course, I've got to give a special shout out to Chadwick Boseman for his very last performance that we'll ever hear of him, technically. Um, and once again, does an incredible job voicing T'Challa in multiple multiverses. So yeah, that's my uh, sort of overall thoughts. Inconsistent leaning towards more positive but it's very flawed and they need to ramp things up in season two for me to stick with it and i also think it hasn't been hitting the pop culture psyche like the previous mcu shows like wandavision falcon winter soldier and loki i'm seeing some buzz of it online but really the buzz is so minimal compared to those other shows so that's another thing to be looked at but then again i also understand that a lot of people animation is something that they struggle it's a barrier that they have to get over some people still consider it like you know aimed towards children and stuff like that which they're very wrong it's not like that um but i do understand that is a factor with the general audience and watching animation it's the same with star wars the you know some of the best star wars is in animation and yet most people have never watched it like the clone wars or the bad batch and etc so that's something also to consider here about how Marvel are going to progress forward with getting this more to the general public, saying, no, look, we matter, animation is important. Well said. Well, we're all on the same page. We're all, it's amazing. We're on the same page. So, um... Air support. Send air support. Copy that. Rogers, inbound. Steve? Rogers? What in heavens? Hey, Peggy, now you owe me one. Hold on a second. She's friends with that, that Hydra Stomper? I think I'm friends with him, too. Let's get into the, to the episodes, then. So the first one, as uh, I think, Rob, are you on the same page that the first one was a bit of a disappointment uh, for you? And that was... Oh, the... What um, it, yeah. Sorry. Yes, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? So we're going to go through here episode by episode, do like sort of a few minutes on each of them, talking about the story and the voice cast and stuff for like that. So yeah, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Rob, what did you think of this as an opener to the show? Because this was the one they were really heavy on marketing. Mm, mm. And I think there's two ways to look at this, um, and it's through the, the audiences themselves. So one is to... You mentioned it before about catering towards children and then catering towards, say, the hardcore Marvel adult fans. Let's say it that way. Um, and I think for a way to introduce the what if concept to a younger audience member, I think it succeeds. I think it does. 
However, I think because <laughs> we are not children, but we are, you know, 20, 30 something year old men, um, <laughs> we are expecting something a little bit more sophisticated and a little bit more. Um, I, I, do you know what? I will say this. I think we're expecting something better from Marvel at this point now because they've really set the bar so high for themselves that they really are trying to keep to a certain standard, but they also want to try and be first at something. Uh, which is why they dropped the ball massively. Again, we've mentioned many a time with Black Widow and Captain Marvel, because um, they weren't able to capitalize on that uh, side of things when they had the chance. Um, so I see Captain Carter, uh, the first Avenger, as honestly, and I've written it down here, and I've got no problem saying this, I found it to be a very lazy way of Marvel trying to incorporate this character. And I thought... Um, you know, this is something you don't really do in script writing anyway, but, you know, it has been known to happen where you suddenly just turn around and say, do you know what, this character could be played by a woman or this character could be played by a man. This is what it felt like to me, is that they just took the first Avenger script and they just scripted out, scrub, scrubbed out Steve Rogers and they replaced it with Peggy Carter. And for me, that's not good enough. You know, what I was expecting with this what-if scenario was we have an original tale. You know, they could have just killed off Steve for all I care. You know, as much as I love him, I think just kill him off. You know, he doesn't need to be there. But the fact of the matter is, it should be about Peggy Carter being Captain Carter. And yet it's not about that at all. Because we're all the way through. We're thinking, um, why am I feeling a sim certain similarity here? And that's because we've seen it before. We've seen it in the first Avenger. The only difference is we're getting it in 30 minutes. And we do get some really striking visuals. Like, don't get me wrong, that montage action set piece in the sky where she's jumping from plane to plane is is wonderful. It's really well done. Um, there's also lots of little, you know, someone put online um, uh, a nice comparison of Wonder Woman shots with Captain Carter shots. And I thought, wow, okay, so maybe they are referencing Justice League. Who knows? Or, you know, I'll borrow your homework, shall I? Um, <laughs> that's what it kind of felt like um, at times, because even I noticed that. And I just think as a way to introduce to children, I think it's a really safe option to do that. And it's, you know, it's not an overly complicated way to say, you know, this is what a what if scenario could be. Cause then and it's accessible to children to be like, okay, so it's taking something I know already and flipping it on its head. But I think on the one hand, they forgot about the hardcore Marvel fans. Um, and they really, they, didn't uh they, they completely forgot to make it original as well in my opinion and that for me is why it while i don't think it's necessarily a big disappointment i just think it's a massive um miss opportunity no i would i would probably agree with you on that i remember speaking to tom after the episode aired and we said the same thing that it just felt like the, the captain america the first avenger movie trimmed down to 30 minutes um but just with Peggy Carter instead of Steve. And, and you know, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, killing off Steve would have been an interesting choice as well. Because if you're going to take this opportunity to have a woman in your lead as this character, um, why do a similar storyline to what you had in the original Avenger where there's a love relationship, you know? Why not maybe have it as an anchor, as, you know, she's on her own sort of thing, doing the thing that she is and... Granted, I know they're trying to sort of mirror it in a way and and say that in no matter what multiverse, that love between Steve and P 
Peggy will always be there. I get what they're trying to go for there, but I just felt they could have done it a bit better. A missed opportunity to bring in this character, um, another powerful female character into the MCU, which they are lacking of. We do have some. They're getting better. We got some coming down the line, but she has been there since the beginning. You know, and the fact that they also brought Haley Atwell back was, uh, you know, a missed opportunity, really. And also, like, if, I don't know about you guys, but, like, throughout the episode, I also felt as if, wow, it just feels like this is not the same Peggy Carter that we saw in the first Avenger. But then I had to be like, oh, no, but this is technically a different universe. So that was, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that was hard at times to separate um like what I know of the characters in the MCU versus what they're doing here and what if. Um, but yeah, Tom, what, what did you th- think of this episode? Uh, well, as you said, we both messaged each other pretty much after the episode aired and we were like, yeah, it's just the first Avenger, wasn't it? I mean, it definitely had some high points. I did like the action in it, even if some of it was perhaps borrowed. Um and I, I was so hyped because I love Peggy Carter and I loved the idea of Captain Carter. Um, loads of people do question why she wasn't called Captain Britain, but we won't get into that. It's very obvious. Well, not obvious reasons, but there are reasons. But yeah, there was just so many missed opportunities. I thought, as you said, like they could have killed off Steve. Why not? They killed off Tony enough times in the series. Why not just kill Steve as well? I don't know, like kind of the same. There were points where I was just like, these characters aren't acting as I know them, which I guess would make sense because, you know, Peggy's been super soldier serumed up. It's a different universe. And Steve's flying around in an Iron Man suit. But why does it make her the quick master? Uh, because that's what happens in Marvel. If you get superpowers, you can quip. Um, it's it's a little, little known uh, secret. I think it comes from celestial blood or something. I don't know. But, yeah, there was just so many missed opportunities. I remember foolishly, foolishly convincing myself for a brief moment that they were about to, like, reference Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when, like, Red Skull was like, ah, I'm introducing you to the true god of Hydra. And I was like, Hive? What? And then, yeah, that 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 passed quite quickly. And I was like, okay, it's just a giant random tentacle monster. Could be Shirmagorov, but they never actually name it. So it's just a random tentacle monster at this point. So yeah, um, very disappointing first entry, I thought, for What If. It definitely was not what I was expecting. Um, I wouldn't say it killed my hype for the series, but it did a bit of damage, um, which the trailers had done so well to like build up for me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. And then, uh. so yeah, not really, I don't really have a lot of positive things to say about that first episode. No, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I agree with you as well. Like after the first episode, I was a bit like, whew. All right, uh, this is, uh, I got eight more of these. I hope they're not all like this. But I will say the one thing that did keep me going was that knowing that the next episode, which we're going to talk about now, is what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? And I was more excited for the series because I knew that um, Chadwick Boseman was obviously, this was his last outing in any performance that um, he's, he's done. Um, so I was obviously excited to hear his voice as T'Challa again. And to see it in this context of like, because we've seen it in the trailers, you know, and stuff that we knew this one was coming. Um, so, Rob, I'll go to you first. What did you think of what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? If I'm completely honest with you, um, up until today, um, I was on. I honestly thought this was probably my favorite episode because 
Um, it it was so much fun. Like it's a fun heist adventure, and I, I like you guys when watching the first episode. I did think to myself, "Oh my god, are we really just going to rehash the scripts and you know rub out some things and just put people's names in over the top?" And I thought that might have been the case with this one, um, where they would just do guardians all over again. But this was not the case whatsoever. We actually got something quite original in a way. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I love a good heist movie anyway, um, and heist adventure, sorry, I should say. And that's exactly what we got. And I also love this world of the Guardians and exploring more of this. And um, we got to see more of the wackier characters. Like for me, one of the highlights, um, apart from Mr. Chadwick Boseman, of course, completely smashing it out the park, by the way, like even the subtle differences in his accent um, for um, for playing Star Lord, because obviously I think they even said as well there was a different. They wanted to show a different. Sorry, excuse me. They wanted to show a difference between uh, Black Panther um, T'Challa and Star Lord T'Challa, and it's more about the diction and the certain phrasing of certain things. Like he would be brought up in royalty to say certain things in a certain way, and yet here um, it's much more kind of like I careful how I'm saying this here, but more um street more loose yeah more loose more street and more loose i would say yeah more, absolutely more, less formal yeah. exactly less formal and i really i think that's you know just goes to show the credit of his craft that he was willing to go that extra mile um but the other extra you know the big huge plus for me was seeing well not seeing but um seth green as howard the duck i mean i loved that i thought that was <laughs> i thought that was wonderful um wonderful piece of casting and yeah i think yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Like, I think it was just what we needed to um, to bounce back from, um, as we've kind of collectively agreed, quite an underwhelming start. I'm I'm with you, Rob. I feel this. What a great episode I thought this one was. It was so heartwarming to watch this episode. Like, it gave me just all the feels, and especially because it was Chadwick Boseman. And like some of the dialogue he was saying about, you know, unification and helping people, it just hit so much more. Do you know what I mean? Because of the tragic passing of him. Uh, it's just becoming, oh, even thinking about it now and speaking about it, I am getting a bit emotional. So, but yeah, just the fact that his goodwill can change the ravages, you know, and change Yondu, he changed Thanos. Do you know what I mean? What? I, when that happened and he comes in and you hear Josh Brolin's voice as well, um, I was just like, this is insane. Like the fact, the power of kindness, I thought. Do you know what I mean? The power of communication, of collaboration with people and what hit, you know, this bright star going throughout the universe trying to help people. I just thought, what an incredible episode. What a great uplifting story and themes that they were portraying in here. And I loved it. And also... With animation, I, I feel as if it, you can be a bit goofier as well with the comedy and stuff like that. And a lot of times in this series, it did not work for me. But in this episode, it did. Like some of the facial expressions that the characters are doing or they're doing the whole, I'm tripping over, and you know, that sort of kid humor, you could say like that. And uh, But I was just loving it. I was just, it felt totally in vibe with what this episode was trying to tell. Um, but Tom, what did you think of, of this one? Yeah, again, just echoing your thoughts, just uh, to shout out Chadwick Boseman because he did give, give an absolutely amazing performance. I loved, I, I, I've been calling him Star Panther um, 
just just in, in my various chats. Um, so I'm going to call him that now. I loved Star Panther. Um, I thought he was great. Same as you, because I just love the fact that like through the power of kindness and compassion, he managed to just like turn the Ravagers good, get Thanos on side, and also can I just I'm just going to throw this out: Nebula with blonde hair. Yeah, I'm a fan, but yeah, it was just it was. It was a bit of sweet thing because it was just it was so great to hear Chadwick Boseman's voice again, um, you know, in something fresh. But also just as you guys said, just it hit so much harder. Just all this, all the goodness of the, his character in this just hit that much harder because just like that was that was Chadwick. Um, so yeah, definitely a special shout out to him. And just the episode in general was just ludicrous and amazing, and I loved every second of it. Had some fantastic moments like the very first bit where star lord is like ah you might know me as by another name star lord and korath the punisher is just like oh my god <laughs> and he's just like i'm a, i'm a huge fan of you and, and like they're preparing to fight he's like i could put the gun down and he's like no no you can use the gun are you sure are you sure are you sure can i use the-? and to, to fantastic moments like at the end where he's just like no, it's 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 not genocide because it's random. And <laughs> I love the through line that he's still sort of defending his idea. Yeah, I I still say it would have been efficient, but whatever. <laughs> and, and just like well, the the fake fight we where he's just like, wait, I thought this was fake, and he's just like, Colby captured genocide again. <laughs> just full of great and and even like the great arc that Nebula and Thanos had as well. Which is right at the end. She, she, even though she does it in an embarrassed way, she does call him dad, and it's just like little moments like that. I was just, I loved it, and also just the meeting between T'Challa, uh, T'Chaka, and uh, Yondu. I quite like that as well. Just overall, it was a very strong episode, just full of like really great character moments, some great action as well. I mean, the collector delivered. Just as soon as he started pulling out like the necro sword and everything, I was like, what else? Does he have? He has. He had Korg's arm. Why? <laughs> Why Korg? Why did Korg have to die? Why couldn't Star Panther save him? But yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Just a joy from start to finish. Um, and it was definitely very much needed after that first episode because I was kind of worried my interest was going to wane. Um, but luckily, this episode pulled me back in. Yeah. So we'll go to the next episode, and that is uh, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes, a.k.a. What If You Pissed Hank Pym Off. (laughs) Honestly, the guy doesn't get a break. He's always getting shat on by S.H.I.E.L.D. or some sort of government organization. Poor Hank Pym. But yeah, um, so Tom, I'll start with you on this one. What did you think of this one, of um, this sort of espionage mystery who done it who's killing the avengers and then we find out it's a very angry hank pym i i was i i actually like really really liked this episode um quite a lot um not as it's it's probably not in my top three or four but i definitely did really really enjoy it first time watching it it was just you know i i'm i'm kind of a sucker for these kinds of elseworld or what if stories where it is just like oh, heroes are getting picked off one by one, who's doing it? So I was into it. And then you have, like, the added thing then with the whole pot of, like, Loki showing up. And then you've got, like, Fury having to deal with that whole thing. I think, again, it was just another episode of just great character moments. And what I liked about it is, like, even though there was humor in the episode, it was a hell of a lot more serious than, like, say, the zombies one. 
Um, and also, they referenced the Incredible Hulk. I mean, sure, they they scrubbed Ed Norton right out of there as as you know they would, but just I couldn't believe I was like, I'm seeing I'm I'm seeing like Incredible Hulk stuff here. What what's happening? What's going on? Um, and yeah, just the final reveal that like oh, it was Hank Pym all along. Um, I actually really liked that because like I was initially a bit confused when um, Natasha was doing the whole like it's hope, it's always been hope because I was just like, well. Why does Hope have an axe to grind against? I mean, what's going on here? I was like, I was initially like thinking, if it's Hope Van Dyne, I might actually be disappointed. But then when they brought in Hank and it was all just like, oh yeah, in this universe, Hope joined Shields and then she died on a mission. I was like, ah, okay, no, no, I, I like this. And I really enjoyed the final fight as well. I enjoyed like the, the subtle humor of just um, Hank's reactions. <laughs> like when uh, Fury flips over him and he's just like, ah, you're a... Uh, so pretty spry there. <laughs> he's just like look around, going like, "Why is there more than one of?" It's, it's, I just love like the way he played that. I guess just like he, he could have, they could have made it like more goofy and comedic. But I just love how he was just kind of just there, like, like being really angry, trying to like take his revenge. And yeah, he's just like, "I'm, I'm a little lost here. What's going on?" Um, and I did like the reveal that like, oh yeah, he got Loki's help, and this has all been Loki. And then that classic little just like, "Hello, tricks to God." It was it was a very strong episode, I thought, and I was thinking to myself, the show's picking up, it's getting better with each episode. I mean, when I did my rewatch, I was just like, actually, Star Panther's better than this. But like first time watching it, I think just because of how bitter I was about the first episode, I was feeling a lot more better about this one. I did notice a few issues on my second watch through, just in terms of like some pacing or some of like like I felt they could have maybe explained a little bit better how Hank Pym was able to do some of the shit he did, maybe just like a, just like flesh it out a little bit more. But um, yeah, just overall, it was it was a good episode. And poor Hank Pym, poor Hank Pym, poor Hank Pym. Yeah, no. Um, for me, I thought this was a mediocre to goodish episode. Um, I thought it was definitely better than the opener, but nowhere near as good as the T'Challa Star Lord one. I just felt, for me, the problem with this was in the pacing and how they told this story narratively, where they're not giving us a lot to go on. I know they're trying to make it a mystery, but for me, that last sort of five minutes, I was like, whoa, this is way too much exposition. You're just firing everything at me. It, I felt I was literally being pelted with ants and wasps about with all this exposition. So that's where I had an issue with it. And then to bring in the Loki aspect which is what I said up top, I had an issue with some of these episodes where you're bringing in this huge aspect into this story now where it's it's not resolved and you've, you're just felt a bit like, uh, what happens next? You know what I mean? Like, what are the consequences of not having a world that has Avengers and then Loki comes and takes over sort of thing? I just felt that was really wrapped up way too quickly. Um, but I will say the whodunit sort of mystery angle going to seeing like the the incredible hulk and the different avengers movies from these different perspectives i was like oh, this is fun i like this element of it and i did like the animation and some of the fight scenes so yeah overall it's a mediocre to good episode for me um i got a lot of issues with it but it's not bad it's not bad uh, rob where do you fall on this one can i be completely honest with you guys i only until today i completely forgot about this episode <laughs> 
I literally completely well, forgot. That says it all, doesn't it? I, I, I'll be honest. I'll be wow. honest. I completely forgot. Um, so I was, I was trying to like, because I was doing it from memory, like going right. So this was this one. This one. This is this. And then I went, and it took me until the very last one to realise. Oh, Michael Douglas was in this as well, wasn't he? Of course he was. Because um, I remember watching the episode, and the first thing I said was, "Oh, Michael Douglas is in this. That's kind of cool." And then when I was watching the episode, I then realised. This is where the whodunit comes. In, that he is. That, that was when it was revealed to because I, as soon as I saw his name in the credits, and I, I, I lost, I lost interest in the whodunit. Sadly, because once his name was pe- mentioned in the credits, and they actually learned from this. I don't know if you know this, but or realize this, but at the end of What If Ultron, which we'll come back to later, it does say and Benedict Cumberbatch at the very end of the credits. So they actually kept his name out of to you know for the reveal at the very end of that episode so i think they did learn their lesson very quickly because that was my problem with this episode was i love the concept of a, of a whodunit you know i do love my whodunit you know um storylines i just it was just spoilt by reckless crediting which sounds so stupid to say that but it just was for me um having said that um, I think, again, it's like you, Jake, I found it to be a bit of a missed opportunity um, to really kind of um, go beyond what our level of expectations are for these characters and these, because they basically just rehashed as, you know, the scenes again of them trying to reform the Avengers and because they're not even formed yet. I thought it was going to be more, oh, so who's going to kill them off one by one once they've assembled rather than before they've assembled. I think that probably would have been more interesting to have seen personally, but that's just me. Um, Again, I thought the finale was interesting. Uh, The fact that you've got um, Loki and um, Nick Fury teaming up against um, Hank Pym. And again, Michael Douglas actually does give a very good voice performance, I thought. And I thought it was terrific that they brought him in to do that. And, you know, fair play to him because he's one of my um, all-time favourite actors. I think he's... Uh, fantastic and I just thought it was great hearing Michael Douglas in an animated um, production so kudos Um, also just a quick shout out um, Hulk exploding was cool (laughs) that was pretty cool that was pretty cool if if there's one way to kill the Hulk you just do it like that like explode inside of him yeah uh, I mean like I, I think well, it's the whole Ant-Man going in Thanos's. Yeah, butt, I was gonna like, say. I, I was gonna say. I was like, was that their way of like slightly referencing that, but just going, <laughs> we we can't have him actually go up the ass. So like, <laughs> this is a kids show. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they cut away just before you see any big explosion. You get the hint, obviously, of his face and everything stretching up. Which, yeah, I, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a director's cut. Who knows? Right, so let's go into the next episode, which is what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Now, this one, I have to say, is a triumph for this series. I would say this is uh, arguably my favorite episode or definitely or what if Ultron won. It's one of the two, like one of those. I'm still debating which one I prefer more. But this one was just incredible because for me, maybe it's just suited to my tastes. I prefer um, stuff with a bit more consequences, with a bit more stakes, um, something a bit darker. And I felt this story of Doctor Strange losing... Damn, what's the character's name? Rachel? Christine. Christine. 
Christine, that's Christine. it. Yeah, Rachel McAdams that, is the that's actress. It. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yes, uh, which they did bring back for this as well. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. good because I know that she she wasn't sure if she was ever going to come back to the role at, at any point. So it was good to see her come back. But yes, Christine. So the fact that he loses her instead of him, you know, his hands and stuff like that, and his entire journey is to bring her back. And I just felt it was incredibly powerful because it speaks about the dangers of obsession, um, the dangers of losing your way, and also the fact of dangers of lying to yourself. Because uh, he's saying he's doing this for love, and he even makes a reference to Captain Carter at the last episode about this. All right, same same as you, love, you know. Um, but is it actually for love? Because I feel as if this is more stranger's arrogance coming into play. It's not so much, I'm sad that you're gone, that you've lost your life. It's, I can't live without you. I can't live without you. You know, and I'm going to do everything possible to bring you back so I'm not miserable. Do you know what I mean? So I thought it, it felt more like the Doctor Strange that we'd seen in the MCU canon but just in a, obviously a darker route. So yeah, I absolutely love this episode. It was mystical. All the crazy spells. It, well, yeah, oh man, it just took me back to reading those early like Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange uh, comics. Like, it was just magnificent. But I'll start with you, Tom, on this one as well. W- what did you think of this one? Because I know you're a big fan of this one and of Doctor Strange's magical world. Yeah, I don't think I can give this episode enough praise. Um, it's... It just had me grip from start to finish. I mean, I was excited anyway because I was like, "Yay, more Doctor Strange!" And it's just Doctor Strange in his his world, and not everyone else's. Yay! Um, and yeah, I liked the idea of, of of how they did it as well, of just like Christine's death being the thing that drove him to Carmitage, which drove him to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, I'm a sucker as well for any like stories which are about like someone going, "This is a fixed point in time. You cannot." change that and the other guy going why don't you go fuck yourself mate i love it when it happens in doctor who when it happened on the waters of mars and i loved it here um and just seeing all the crazy magic and all these like crazy like demons and various gods and demigods and monsters that steve was just consuming um and also it was just what i thought was just um an interesting like sort of so you had it in WandaVision where the sentiment was actually quite nice and sweet, but then like you take the phrase, what is grief if not love persevering and apply it here to Strange. And it's just like, yeah, it hits a lot harder. I loved as well the whole thing where they basically brought in, oh yeah, there's actually, you're not complete right now. There's two strangers. There's one who didn't make the decisions you made and then there's you. And then I loved when they went back then and showed like strange in that moment where he decides to go with Wong to, I don't know whether it was have tea or whatever they were having. So I really liked that aspect of it. Initially I thought that like that was going to be it. And then like good strange would like win and he'd learn a valuable lesson about uh, not getting too obsessive. So then when dark strange actually won, I was like, okay, loving this so much. And I'm going to have to rewatch it again because it was something I noticed last time, but I don't know if maybe I like missed out on a few things. But when it's all kicking off, when the whole world is falling apart, when Christine is like running away from him out of fear because he looks so monstrous because he has become a monster, a lot of the time when Steve is pleading with um, Uatu as well, which is another great moment when he just talks to him. Fantastic moment. That just blew my mind. But just throughout all of it, just like 
he he keeps referring to it as like the world shouldn't suffer for my mistake. You have to help me save the world. The world can't end like this. And then when it all comes apart, you then have the watcher saying just like, and that is how like one decision, one moment can destroy an entire universe. And it was just like the weight of it just hits you then. Cause like some people might've been like sort of tricked into thinking like, holy shit, like the earth's going to get like destroyed, wiped from time because Dr. Strange has done this. And the watcher's like, no, he literally destroyed an entire reality. And it just like, it was just such like a heavy episode. And just, I loved the ending as well. of just like the zooming out, the watcher's words, the like delicate piano and Steve crying his eyes out, just, powerful powerful stuff honestly it's one of my favorite pieces of cape shit ever now this single episode i was i was i remember coming out of it just thinking like this is what each episode episode should be doing i actually thought it was remarkable how much story this episode fitted into the 30 minutes compared to how other episodes couldn't do it effectively and when i watched it again whereas with some episodes i watched them again and i was like i'm seeing some problems with this i don't like it i loved it more I just thought it just worked brilliantly. Benedict Cumberbatch was incredible as both Evil Strange and Dax and Good Strange. Rachel Adams was great as Christine Palmer. I just can't give enough praise to this episode. I absolutely loved it. 11 out of 10. Nice. Um, I wanted to, before we go to Europe, I also wanted to bring up the, because uh, I'm glad you brought up Uatu, the Watcher, because how have we not mentioned this guy yet? I, I know. I'm, I'm, I can't believe we have <laughs> I have to say that I think out of everyone, the person who gives the best voice performance in the entire show is Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher slash Uatu. Phenomenal performance by Jeffrey Wright. I could listen to that man all day and I would not get bored. What a powerful presence just his voice brings in the, the ominous, you know, sort of figure of the watcher and i also love the details and each episode you know you just see like like the first episode is like a silhouette of him like in the background and each episode as we get along we see more of him it's becoming more d- refined and then like you tom when he when dr strange realized oh what the fuck he's watching me like there's someone there i was like oh my god they can interact with him so i was losing my <laughs> shit there <laughs> that was awesome but Rob, what did you think of this episode? I'm glad you brought up Jeffrey Wright, by the way, because I I was about to say that the finale of this episode, where the two briefly, very very briefly interact with one another, is is very powerful. It's um you know two acting greats bouncing off one another. Obviously, they're in separate booths or separate you know quarters or wherever quarters rooms. <laughs> separate quarters. Go to your quarters. Go to your quarters. <laughs> God, sounds like a posh twat now. Um, that'll be popular. Um, <laughs> um, I so look. I, I I do think this is a very strong episode. I probably don't feel as. Um, strongly as you do tom but i do think it is a fantastic episode i do think benedict cumberbatch's performance um can go over a little bit too thespian for my liking um and again i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um but there were moments where i felt like it was a tad over the top um one of the things that i've that I had a problem with this episode was um, strangely enough, because it was referring back to something that happened within Dr. Strange, the film um, I, and this is just something that may, again, I'm probably just being feeling very cold hearted right now, but um, I never really believed the relationship between those two characters 
if I'm honest, if I'm completely honest, uh, Jake, I think you're just saying I'm uh, what in the in the film. Yeah, you mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So to for me to bring that into this episode was was a bit of a challenge. So I've I've now seen the episode twice, and watching it a second time, I was able to buy it much more. Whereas the first time watching it, there is that level of expectation of right. So I'm supposed to believe this time around. You know, there was, you know, it just didn't feel right, you know, at first watching it. But, you know, watching the second time, um, you start to appreciate the little things a lot more. And you're absolutely right. The themes of this are what carry it through. And it's quite remarkable that they're doing this. uh, They've done this storyline within the context of this animation, you know, catering to kids, to young adults, to adults as well. But I think that comes down to, and this is just something I was going to bring up as well as Jeffrey Wright later on, but like. Uh, Brian Andrews, the director of the series, you know, his background was Jackie Chan Adventures, which is a classic, um, in my opinion. Of course. Um, but he was also a writer on Samurai Jack, um, which is one of my all-time favorite animated shows. And this is where you get a really good um, writer, kind of director coming in um, with this episode, because a lot of Samurai Jack was a lot of heartbreaking moments and a lot of heartbreaking endings where... He was so close to reaching his final goal, but then ultimately being completely fucked. Um, So, you know, and in the case of this one, it's easily the most human um, episode uh, and tragic episode and heartbreaking. Um, You really do feel the gut punch ending as well. Like the choices that he makes in particular really do have a lasting impact on this multiverse and this particular universe and you feel the weight of it and that silence you know silence is always a powerful thing and i don't know if you remember guys but the the very end of the episode it's just silence for like just two or three seconds to let that sink in and then it goes straight into the credits and then you have the, the music queuing in and it's just it's a nice subtle piece of direction right there to just let everything you've just witnessed you know sink in you know and even the little moments of like where it kind of felt like groundhog day you know replaying the same thing over and over again and each time it was just it's just not going to happen you cannot save this person you know and i will go as far to say that i think you know while this can be argued of course i think the animation in this episode was pro- for me personally the best in the series i think mm-hmm. the images and the uh, sorry the um the visuals of the the magic um, from both strangers um, was very uh, powerful, and um, again, it's got that lovely kind of hand drawn animation quality that um, I really appreciate. And seeing that literally clashing with you know hand drawn and CGI bouncing backwards and towards one another, it was just a lovely battle of two styles. And you get that with the two Doctor Strangers there. And I just thought that was really clever, actually. Really, really inspired, actually, I would say. Um, while I don't rank this as my personal favourite episode, I do would say this was either my second favourite or maybe even my third to bounce back between the um, episode two, the T'Challa becoming Star-Lord, and this one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really do like it. And I think it benefits more from a rewatch than... The, the first time I watched it. Yeah, I would say a lot of these episodes benefit a lot from a rewatch, I found, anyway, all the ones I could rewatch, anyway. So, yeah, we're going to pause here, take a quick break, and we'll be back with the next five episodes. We've seen what the multiverse is capable of. 
What if all these stories led to this? TikTok boys. This mission requires a team chosen across time and space. They are the guardians of the multiverse. All right, here we go. You pick them. Okay, and we're back, and we're going to go into episode five now of Marvel Studios' What If, and that is What If Zombies. So this is the one that was very much like Captain Carter and T'Challa uh, Star-Lord, very heavy in the marketing. We knew this one was coming. Uh, Rob, you mentioned up top that this is one of the more popular popular ones amongst the fandom um everyone has been asking for marvel zombies we even saw like a little tease of it in spider-man far from home and everyone was like oh marvel zombies so it's something the fans have been asking for for a while you could say uh so we finally got it here and i have to say i was looking forward to it as well because i'm not familiar with the actual comic of marvel zombies i just love zombies i'm a big zombie fan love the romero films you know that that's my sort of my bread and butter for zombie films also a big fan of uh, Zack Snyder's take on the zombie films. And I have a certain uh, uh, vision in my head of what zombie content should be like. And this was not it, really. <laughs> um, I feel as if you can have fun with zombie movies and zombie TV shows. Um, as someone like Zack Snyder has shown with Army of the Dead and his film All the Dodd. They're fun, entertaining movies to watch. Um, but at the same time, you have to have, I feel anyway, you have to have this sense of misery and uh, loss of hope within a zombie apocalypse. And to me, the fact that these characters are granted, you know, sometimes humor can, you know, bring moments up of pure sadness and, and you know, misery and stuff like that, that's needed but I, I feel as if the unnecessary amount of quips in this just ruined the tone of what a what-if zombie should be. And I also have a really big issue with how un sort of no remorse for the characters that they're killing off and the, then the other characters who are killing these characters off are just like, yeah, I'll just kill this person off. A friend I've had for decades. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The one that really got to me was um, Bucky versus Zombie Steve Rogers, and th it just really irked me when they when they're battling out and he just destroys him. Or can't remember exactly how he kills him, and he says, "I uh, I guess that's the end of the line." And for me, that really got to me. That really upset me because I was like, "That is such a core." theme and and through line through the entire mcu not just the captain america films and it means so much to so many people to play that as just as if it's nothing as just a joke in this zombie setting the fact that he's just like yeah i'm just gonna destroy the zombie steve the guy who i've you know my best friend i was just a bit like oh come on man why do you have to use that piece of line like you could have used another piece of dialogue so yeah, for me, visually, I think it's stunning. Like the zombies look great. All the action looks great, especially, you know, um, zombie Wanda at the end when she's just fucking wrecking shop. Like 
even as a zombie, she's still the most powerful person in the MCU. It's absolutely insane. And I like how later in the other later episodes, they did bring her back as well. Um, but just the story of it, I've seen it before. Do you know what I mean? So they didn't really do anything new with the zombie storyline. And I just felt the tone was way off of what it should be. It just didn't feel like a zombie thing to me. It felt like they were making fun of zombies rather than having fun with it, if you know what I mean. Um, Rob, I can see you're, you're agreeing with me there. What did you think of this one? Again, I uh, yeah, I agree with most of the points you've made, and I just can really sum it up by just saying I think it was a massively wasted opportunity once again. This was the one I was looking forward to, and I think you're absolutely right. I love the design of the zombies. I love the way that they're animated, but there is just so much out-of-character moments um, in this, and this is where you start to see. We've started to see it recently in the live-action work, but we're now starting to see it forming the animation stuff as well, which is, or in this particular animation work, which is um, Clash of Styles. And Marvel's humor does not work within the context of this um, storyline, in my opinion. So all of the quips, all of the, you know, one-liner stuff, just it just didn't work or gel whatsoever. There was more things that I was questioning, like you've mentioned, Jake, why does Bucky joke when he kills his best friend? You know, why would you do that? And why would Peter Parker make videos during a zombie apocalypse? I just don't understand that. Like, I just don't understand why. I mean, it's a nice throwback to Homecoming and um, when he was making videos at the beginning. But I just don't understand why you would goof around whilst all of this is going along as well. I just, I just didn't understand lots of character moments that happened within this um and as you said it doesn't really feel like there's i mean this we're supposed to believe that the stakes are high i don't feel like the stakes are high at all within this at all whatsoever i just feel like you know it was it was almost like they just they got loads of action figures and they just threw them in on the floor and they kind of did this clusterfuck of like all right there we go we're gonna just fuck around with them like this and i'm sorry that's just not fucking good enough i know sorry i'm losing a bit of my temper here so i will try and calm down but i i just literally was like this is you have literally f- dropped the ball here like there are fun moments there's not to say that there aren't any fun moments um like i like the fact that peter parker and hope actually have some you know time together there are little moments there which actually not work quite nicely it's a sweet moment yeah yeah it is a sweet yeah, moment. The, two, the two bugs in the room yeah <laughs> nice um i also thought um you know as much as i love him to pieces i thought paul rudd had no place being here whatsoever i just thought why are you here i mean are you here literally in the just... head the head thing yeah. yeah and i just thought you know are you just making a reference to futurama which first first of all kudos because i love that show but just why is paul rudd here if you know like oh the one thing you can <laughs> save is his head i mean yeah i guess so because he'll quip away as well he's the one that's going to quip away there is only one redeeming thing i can honestly say about this episode and it is quite possibly one of the best lines delivered as well. And it's probably one of the best lines in the series, definitely. But it's also probably one of the best lines in, in Marvel. And I know that's quite a big claim to say. So I'm going to read it out and you guys will know exactly which bit I'm talking about. And it's so poignant even now. In my culture, 
Death is not the end. They are still with us as long as we do not forget them. T'Challa. When I heard that, I had to pause my TV, like pause it and just be like, oh, fuck. Because you, it brings you back to everything that's happened with, you know, with Chadwick Boseman, but also, and you just think, if that line had been delivered in another episode, like say his um, standalone became Star-Lord episode, I would have been saying that that was the best way to close off, you know, his, you know, his run in Marvel. But the fact that it's used here and in the context of the Marvel Zombies episode, it only p gives you that gut punch because you know he's no longer with us. It's supposed to be used in a moment where you feel really bad and sad that you've lost lots of these characters because they've been turned into zombies. And for T'Challa to deliver that line, for Bozeman to deliver that line in that moment, in that episode, I, I kind of feel like it was... I'm, again, I'm trying not to get emotional. I'm trying not to get angry. But I just felt like it was almost... Trying to find the right word. It's an insult, actually. I'll say that because I think they kind of exploited the feelings of the fans, knowing that that line would give us a gut punch. And if it was only going to be used in one episode, it shouldn't have been this one. It should have been brought into the what if T'Challa became Star Lord. And the fact that I can only say that 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 is the one redeeming quality that I enjoyed about that episode, and it was used in my opinion, as an in quite of an insulting way. Yeah. What can I say? There's nothing more I can say about it. I'm sorry. It's all right. St strong words from Rob there. Um, I, I, di I didn't really think of it that way, personally. Um, I will say I did like the moment. I thought that was the one of the few moments in this episode I did like. Tom, what did you think of zombies? Uh, yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I'm kind of with you on, on, on Rob's point where I hadn't actually considered that like that way before, but now that he said, and I'm like, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. It was kind of a, it was a bit of a low blow for Marvel to waste such a good line in such a, I'm not even going to say it wasn't even good enough to be mediocre. In my opinion, there was just so much about this episode. I didn't care for like the one good quip I found was like right at the beginning Hulk lands on Earth. He's trying to figure out what's going on. The Black Order appear, and then he thinks like the Avengers have come, and he's just like, "Yeah, yeah, you can do it, guys." And then you can see them starting to like rip them apart and eat them, and he's just like, "Oh, that 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 might be a little bit extreme, guys." And then obviously you get the reveal. Um, but just for the rest of the episode, I was just not liking it. It was too humor filled, like the bit where Okoye uh, kills Sam zo Zombie Sam. Looks at uh, Winston, is just like I. Just killed your friend. I'm sorry. And he's just like, I'm actually okay with it. And it's like, why would you be okay with this? You, uh, another thing. And okay. So I love Sebastian Stan. I love him a bit. I don't think he's a good voice actor. I agree. Like out, out of all of like the cast list for this, whether it was like famous faces returning or maybe just some like, you know, people who work exclusively in voice acting trying to, like, fill in some slots there, he was probably by far the weakest. And it's a shame because he's a really good actor. I really enjoy his work, but just he didn't pop on... And voiceover work's not for everyone. 
Like it is a very different skill set. It's very different when it's like you've got to put all your emotion in your voice, or maybe you're, tr- or maybe like he was thinking that like the animators would do the heavy lifting, but you can't quite capture the nuances of facial expression well enough yet in animation. So you have to rely on the voice actor putting in that emotion. I just didn't feel any emotion from him at all. Like it felt like he was reading the lines like very straight, very bland. And I've got to be honest, even though I'm kind of putting this on Sebastian Stan, I'm kind of have to put it on the directors as well because they should have been stopping him and going, I need you to take that again this time with more gutso. Um, yeah, Paul Rudd didn't need to be there, much like him in Parks and Rec. Why were you there? Why were you there, man? Um, and yeah, it was just very disappointing. I, I will say, just to like offset what Rob said at the start, so Zombies never started as a what-if. It actually initially started in the Ultimate Fantastic Four run, where they introduced the concept of a universe being filled with zombies, and then Marvel were like, right, well, we got to run with this. Kirkman, you wrote Zombies, come and write this one. Um but yeah, so I was excited to see it when they announced it because I was thinking to myself, okay, I thought I was over zombies, but I'll see some superhero zombies. I mean, it's like Grant Morrison says in this uh, very fantastic book, uh, Super Gods, just superheroes are there to make anything interesting again. Just like a murder mystery is getting boring, put a superhero in there. Is this getting boring? Put that in there. And yet somehow, as Rob said, they dropped the ball completely on this one, especially after the Doctor Strange episodes, there was no excuse for not going... Like, they didn't have to go super dark. They didn't have to go super gory. But there should have been lots of emotion in it. It should have been a very emotional thing. Like, the one redeeming feature I found... Okay, though. There was two redeeming features. One was the Chadwick Boseman line, although Rob has ruined that for me now. (laughs) Um, The second one was, like, after a whole episode of just non-stop quips, as is his character... We have a nice moment where Peter is basically begging them. Like he basically says like, I don't want to lose any more friends today. And that line did kind of hit hard. Cause I was like, okay, look, we're finally getting like a good performance. And also Wasp's final line when she's like, smile for me, Peter calling back to an earlier conversation they had. I really liked that. And as you guys said, I really liked that they kind of gave hope and Peter this like really nice relationship and dynamic. And I hope it's something that maybe we can see in the MCU. Because they, they did work really well together. The fact that they're, you know, insects notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just it, it was a weak episode. Um, maybe on a rewatch, I could maybe like it more if I don't watch it after the Doctor Strange episode. But yeah, definitely in the order of release when like I was thinking, oh my God, they're getting better and better. And then it was just like... Oh. Very unhappy with it, and if they do revisit the zombies in a future episode or future season, please, please do better. Help bring Kirkman back in to write the damn episode. And they should hopefully, maybe just like maybe just throw because Magneto is a huge part of the uh, Marvel zombie story. Just throw Magneto in there. I know, like we haven't introduced mutant. Just, just, <laughs> just, just throw it. Magneto. Just in. do it. Just do it. Right? Feels- just do it. <laughs> I would add, add uh, um, Deadpool in there as well. By the way. I would add, oh yeah. yeah, why not? Yes, that would that why would not? work as yeah, well. D- Ryan Reynolds voicing yeah. the yeah, definitely that would work. Oh my god, uh, he's going to be the oop. villain for the next season. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we'll move on to episode six, and that is what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Now this is one that again we saw in the trailers, or well, a quick glimpse anyway, 
And I didn't know what to expect from this one going into this. And I was a bit, you know, I had been feeling a bit like, ah, this show is very inconsistent. I've only really had two episodes that I've really liked. Um, Let's see what this one brings up. And I have to say, this is, for me, it stepped up its game in this one. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. It does have its flaws. I will say it does fall into the trap like, like a lot of these episodes do where it's trying to cram in a lot of story um, and also the ending leaves you wanting so much more. Um, not maybe to its detriment because in a way it's done its job of you, you know, of telling a compelling story that you want to see more. But I just felt they were cr- also at the same time just cramming way too much story in. Having said that, I loved all the story bits. I loved where they took this story. I just loved how they focused on how ruthless and how intelligent Killmonger is and how he created this plan to become the leader of Wakanda. I just thought it was really well done. And unfortunately for Sebastian Stan, he wasn't that great in Zombies, but I have to say Michael B. Jordan absolutely kills it with his voice performance in here i truly felt it was the same killmonger we saw in the black panther film and also i was clapping every time they brought in ludwig goridson's score in there with the killmonger theme and stuff i was i was like yes they're just doing the lord's work here like i thought it was a is a great episode really powerful themes about power and corruption and all that sort of stuff so yeah for me it was a really good episode like I said up top, not without its flaws. Um, Tom, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I absolutely love this one as well. Um, it's definitely in my top three or four. I can't remember what list you showed me, Jake. I pretty much agree with it, though, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's, it was just, it was wild from start to finish. And Mike, I mean, Michael B. Jordan's been killing it since The Wire. I mean, he's just an absolutely outstanding actor. And yeah, he brought it to this as well as a voice actor. He is fucking sublime. And as you said, it felt like the same character. I remember as well, like when I first saw the shot in the trailer of him, like picking up the bomb, throwing it away from Stark. I remember like seeing that shot and just being the most confused because I was just like, well, why is he there? Like, what's he doing? What's, what's, what, what, what's, what's happening here? What's he doing there? Why is he just randomly showing up? What, what does this mean? What does this mean? Um... And yeah, it was just great. Like the the scheming, I I was left at the end of just thinking like, why wasn't this his plan to begin with? This is better than the plan he had in Black Panther. I mean, come on, man. Um, little get it to, to I mean, it was nice to see and well hear Andy Circus as uh, Ulysses Claw again. I I feel, I feel like as vastly underutilized character in the MCU. I get I get why Killmonger had to kill him in the Black Panther film, but. Come on, guys. It was Andy Serkis as one of... He was just chewing scenery constantly, and he does it in this as well. It's like, I don't know how he was able to chew the scenery in an animation, but by God, he did it, and it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, seeing him get capped again was then like a bit, aw, I'm sad now. Um, yeah, it did kind of leave me wanting more at the end, um, but it was kind of done so in a way that, like, whereas before I was like, oh, well, why are you doing all these cliffhangers? In this case, I was just kind of like, Okay, okay, no, like I, I like how it's kind of ended on this cliffhanger of what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, there was like standout performances from everyone. Like, I loved the whole relationship between like him and Tony, um, at least. Like, 
I like to think that Killmonger wasn't completely pretending that he, you know, was being chummy with Tony, but he just, you know, he had an ultimate goal that he was always going to see through. Um, I love the battle at the end between all the the mechs and the Wakandans and uh, just seeing Killmonger just go straight in there. It was just an amazing episode all around. Seeing uh, T'Challa get killed again was just, or just hurt again in general was just like not great. Very sad. Like, leave him alone, guys. Um, But yeah, just a very strong episode. A huge, huge improvement on uh, Marvel Zombies. I won't lie that I actually probably watched this episode later than most people because I did end up missing that week due to, I think, like, it might have been because I was moving and stuff, but partly as well because, like, I was feeling burned from zombies. But then when I did come back to this, I was like, this, this is back, this is back to what the show should be. Just reminded of that scene from Age of Ultron. She's like, this is what What If should be? <laughs> Isn't that so bad? <laughs> Rob, how about yourself? What, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I echo everything you guys have said. Um, I thought this was a really strong episode, and I think this is a much-needed episode after the uh, the battering that we got from zombies, I think is probably a better way of putting it. Um, I love the idea, by the way, of a soldier versus billionaire. Um, I mean, we got that really with Captain America versus Iron Man, you know, the old school soldier superhero versus the modern day, you know, billionaire superhero thing. We, we've, we've always appreciated that, but here we've got the modern soldier, you know, um, facing off against the modern billionaire. So they're actually both grounded in their own time, which is what I really liked about this was the conflict between those two characters there which, if I'm completely honest, um, I didn't think would work really at all. But actually, when you break it all down, it works really rather well. And there there were a few things that I had a few, like, kind of problems with. Like, I think, Jake, you mentioned this as well. It just, it does feel incredibly rushed. Um, For me, I mean, you could actually argue about this with a lot of the, the, the rest of the episodes, but I really think this could have benefited actually being a feature length um, kind of ep- um, film, to be honest with you, like a feature long uh, episode, really, because I think the lots of the t- twists and the turns um, are when they're covered in through montage is a little bit frustrating because you kind of really want to see those moments played out in scenes between two actors. And um, as you said, Michael B. Jordan absolutely smashes it again as Killmonger. And um, I think given enough time, you know, he gets more to really flesh out his character even further and yes he does the best he can with the time frame he's given but i think imagine if you gave him another half an hour or even an hour and a half how much more he can do and we've seen that already with um his performance in black panther but in this i think or anything or anything or anything exactly or anything (laughs) you give him exactly and i just think in this you could have had I, again, it would. It's a shame that they didn't bring Robert Downey Jr. back because obviously his salary is extraordinarily high. Um, but I, I think if you just said to him, "You're going to be working with Michael B. Jordan," I think that would have really clenched the deal, probably for him. I don't know. Maybe obviously there is the money factor. Obviously, of course, it's the money factor. Let's be honest. But th- I just loved the idea of this conflict between you know this guy who is like not even Iron Man. But, uh, but he's talking down against, uh, you know, not talking down, but he's, you know, conflicting with this soldier. And I was all the way through it. I was like, Tony, 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 
he's a soldier. He knows what he's talking about, man. You don't know fucking shit. You know, you need to, you know, step yourself. You know, and that's, and that's what I really enjoyed about this is that I was actually rooting more for the bad guy uh, in this one. Whereas um, for the rest of the one um, episodes that we've had, um, and even to an extent, the Dr. Strange one, we've been rooting for the good guy. Um, but actually in this one, we're rooting for Killmonger in this case to actually see, you know, how w- far is he willing to go? And, obviously very further enough and as you said it left me wanting more and that's why it's not necessarily in my kind of you know top billings of the episodes but i i think the the concept is strong enough um that that left me wanting more and i just think it's a shame that time was not on its side for this one Again, the the simple answer why you're rooting for the villain is Michael B. Jordan because he's just so charismatic as a character and as a person, as an actor. And it's the same. That was why you were, in a way, conflicted watching Black Panther because obviously you're rooting for T'Challa because he's the hero. But you saw the points Killmonger was coming for and you were like, you know what? He makes sense, you know, but obviously towards like homicidal media. So that that's not good. Um, I mean, we did a whole podcast about this guy. We did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go move on to the next episode. And uh, this one is, what if uh, Thor were an only child? I mean, I'm going to say this right off the top. This is definitely my least favorite episode. It's definitely the worst episode of the series for me. For me, the levels of goofiness and... What are you trying to tell here? What story are you trying to tell the audience? I didn't really get any story, no themes, no philosophy. And granted, it's a kid's show. I, you don't want to be like too overhead. But at the same time, so, uh, even the other episodes had something they were trying to say. And this one, I was just like, it's just, you know, Animal House. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's... That's the only thing I can really describe it. It's it, it can be fun if you're into that type of thing, but for me the levels of goofiness were just too much for my taste. Uh, so Tom, w- what did you think of this one? I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely like ranking am- amongst like some of my least favorite episodes. Um, but I think maybe unlike you, like you, even though like I agree that there was no real story there. There was no real, uh, well, no real true stakes really um but i found i was just able to enjoy it as just like maybe it's just because i enjoy chris hemsworth when he's being a bit goofy maybe maybe it may i think maybe chris hemsworth maybe carried me through that episode interesting because i wasn't as big of a fan of chris hemsworth's voice acting really i mean i definitely think he could have done better um but um, again, it might just be because I enjoy Chris Hemsworth that like maybe that carries me. But um, yeah, as I said, I wouldn't rank it highly on my episodes. Um, but it, it was it was just I think it I think what it was it was just a nice little bit of fun before we get into all the massive, huge cape shit, multiversal like destruction battles of robots and giant headed people. Um, so I was able to enjoy it for what it was. It was nice seeing some of the cameos there, even though uh, some of them was just like, who just thought just have everyone on speed dial or something, or did he just send out some flyers just like party on earth? Um, 
the one bit I did find really, really quite funny was like sort of towards the end where Thor just like lifts himself up to, into the sky, just like thunder cracking. And he's just like howling like puny mortals. And they're all like, what? And he's just like, my mother is coming. And they're all just like, oh my God. I actually found that quite funny. Just like the way it was framed, just like the exuberance, like how Thor was bellowing this out. Um, but yeah, as far as like, if I was to break down the episode of going, okay, so Thor wasn't brother with Loki. So at some point he turned up to Earth, had a big party, uh, banged Natalie Portman, and then his mother came. So he cleaned up the planet. Yeah, it's, it's you, it. you know, it, like, how, how, like, how was that pitched? So like, like, how did the person who wrote that episode pitch it in a way that made them go, yeah, no, this sounds like a solid episode. Like, how did he put forward to them? This like initially, I thought it was going in an interesting route when they kind of like talked about how like Thor partied on this one planet and it got like completely demolished. And I thought maybe they were gonna like explore that a bit, like maybe that wasn't the only planet that happened to. Yeah, or that's something. what I thought, and I was like, "Are we not even gonna touch upon that?" Like, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, they just they didn't touch upon it at all, and it. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it kind of ended with a bit of a whimper as well, with just like Frigga showing up and just being like, oh yeah, everything's fine. And then the classic, just like he calls me on there and oh, he's been found out because there's graffiti or shit on me on there. Um, yeah, honestly, I, th- I think the main saving grace of that episode, though, other than Chris Hemsworth, was just like that last 10 seconds when that portal opens up and it's just Ultron covered in Infinity Stones. And then I was like, Okay, something something's happening here. Something's happening here. Please, please, please pick this up now. Don't do like your other cliffhangers and just not reference it again. Um, so yeah, I, I'd call it a very mid tier episode. Definitely what lower down on my list. But if you're looking for just a bit of fun and nothing too serious, I guess it serves its purpose. Rob. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I said at the beginning that I had some things to say about what if, like I had some very mixed feelings and some very negative feelings towards this. And I'll be completely honest, I wouldn't be surprised if people just turn against me now after this sentence I'm about to say. This is the worst thing Marvel Studios has ever done. I really do. I think this is pathetic. I thought it was crap i thought it was uninspired i thought it was lazy i thought it was um just really really pathetic i just i did not find it engaging at all i thought they blew so many opportunities to to really tell something kind of really interesting with you know thor being an only child you know they could have done something quite dramatic with this you know they could have done something really um, worth my time, basically, is the best way I can put it. Um, the only thing I can only say that I honestly liked, and I'll show you in the picture that I've got here, um, I've put a heart around it as well. I don't know if you can quite see that, but um, <laughs> how would the duck and Darcy getting married in Las Vegas? I never thought I'd see that in my life. And having said that now, it sounds absolutely preposterous, but uh, do you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that for for the rest of the episode. I just think, again, this is maybe that should have been the episode. What if how the duck went on? Do you know what I was going to say? Like earlier, like later, like you know, what would be your what ifs? That's definitely going to be mine. 
What if um, Howard the Duck landed in Las Vegas or, you know, heck, what if there was a Howard the Duck 2? That would be my pitch. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, what if Thor was an only child really just was just a piece of garbage for me, man? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I really felt so angry by the end of watching it. And look, I agree with you, Tom. There is probably some enjoyment out there for kids out there that will, like, really enjoy this. And maybe some adults will like this as well. But um, I felt like, again, that it was taking a lot of huge steps backwards, even in regards, and I can't believe I'm even saying this as well, even in regards to the female representation of the characters in, in this as well. Like, Captain Marvel's played out as a joke here. The, the What should be quite an engaging, fun battle is turned into a massive, stupid joke between Captain Marvel versus Thor and... Um, You've got Natalie Portman's uh, Jane, you know, having a one night stand with him in Las Vegas. I'm just thinking, you're basically shitting on your female characters here, man. What the fuck are you doing? And that's why I I can proudly say this. Like, I'm, you know, I have no regret saying it again. This is easily the worst thing Marvel Studios has done. And if they do this again, then fuck them. Wow. Sorry, very. I'm sorry. Very I just no, no. Don't apologize. Well, I mean, That's in humans exist. How you, how you feel? How you feel? But uh, I don't. I mean, I, I. You know what? I think I might be. I. I don't know if I have the volatile hatred that you do for it. <laughs> but I do thinking. I would have to really think about this. But it would definitely probably be near the bottom of what Marvel Studios has produced for me as well. As I said, give me what if Howard the Duck 2 was set in Las Vegas and him and Darcy got married. Well, I can't give you that. (laughs) What I can can give you is what if Ultron won, which is the next episode. Ah. Right? So Ah. I feel as if they perfectly put this episode here (laughs) so that when you watch the next episode, you're like, oh my fucking God, because... Yes, th- it's either this one or Doctor Strange, but I think this one is slightly going to pip Doctor Strange of my favorite episode of the entire series. I just thought this was dramatic and it had huge stakes to it. And it was you know, pulling on fa- a familiar story we've seen, but in a darker, more sinister way. And also for me anyway, ultimately redeeming the character of Ultron within the MCU. Like, look, I liked James Spader's performance as the character. I just thought it was more the the writing and the direction of the character, which is what the issues I had with Ultron. For me, seeing Ultron in this uh, interpretation is how I remember Ultron from reading it in the comics this absolutely unstoppable, truly scary force of power. Like, once he's got those stones, like, he was scary once he got, you know, Vision's body and he was, he annihilated the world. But once, I had to actually laugh. When Thanos came out of the portal and he just goes fascinating and just goes, jump, (laughs) zips Thanos right down the middle... I actually laughed because I could not believe how motherfucking scary this guy was. And then he got the stones and it was just full out cape shit chaos across the universe. I loved it. And the fact that 
it's still pulling on the themes of what is his purpose. His purpose is to create a perfect world, you know, where no organics can interfere with anything. And then you have the epic cape shit at the end where it's him versus the Watcher in some of, you know, going back to the party Thor where that's some of the worst stuff Marvel have ever created. I think the fight between, um, I'm, I'm going to call him Ultravision versus Uatu um, was some of the finest cape shit I think Marvel Studios have ever produced. I, I was gushing at how wonderfully amazing it was. The animation was stellar. Go, like through the different multiverses, that moment where Ultron's punching the Watcher literally through multiverses was astonishing. Uh, so yeah, this is incredible. Definitely my favorite episode. And unfortunately, it wasn't James Spader voicing Ultron, but whoever... I can't see if I can find the actor's name who voiced I feel like it was Ross McQuand. It was, it was Ross McQuand. And yeah. he did a fantastic job uh, voicing Ultron in this as well. So I can't give this episode higher praises enough. It followed through the little tease that we got, and then it followed through again in the next episode. Not to the same heights, but it was continuing the story that we that I really liked anyway. So, um, Rob, what did you think of this one? Did this one pick you back up again after Party Thor? Uh, absolutely. This is, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. This is my favorite episode, personally. Um I mean, I, 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 funny enough, actually put episode eight and nine together because to me they kind of feel like the same because they are a continuation. But we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, what, uh, what if Ultron one is definitely the ultimate what if scenario for me? And um, yeah, as you said, it makes up for the 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 portrayal and use of him in Age of Ultron, which I know. Tom, you do like, so I'm going to be careful this time around. I've learned my lesson. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, as, I'm agreeing with you, Jake. When, as soon as he just sliced Thanos down the middle, I was like, holy shit, I fucking love this. I literally was, I literally just said, I, I remember saying it out loud. So I was like, yeah, it was worth it. Like, all of the other shit I've been watching, like, it was worth it just for that. Um, <laughs> um, and... Um, Again, it comes back to the performances again. Um, Jeffrey Wright does a really terrific job with this one as well. I even love the little moments of, no, no, look there. You know, and uh, even uh, Jeremy Renner with um, his performances, Hawkeye. You know, I thought he was really good in this. And he has a time to shine within this as well. As, as well. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be wrong. Um, does Toby Jones come back for this? Cause, he uh, does. Yeah, yeah and I, I love him as an actor. Um and he does a terrific job within this as well. And um, it's always just great to see him. And so, and I remember when he was brought back for Winter Soldier and I was like, oh, thank God. And again, they brought him back for this as well. And I was just like, this is great. This is just so good. And um, yeah, like you said, the, the there are there are moments within this, which is just like, okay, so this is now Marvel really honing in on what they know they, they can do best, which is good storytelling and finding that right balance of humor with serious drama. And again, as you said, that those two, the battle between those two at the end there, where they're punching through different multiverses is freaking awesome. And this is where the animation comes into play, where it really gets to excel. Also, I think it has been rumored or not rumored, but reported that that there is a small hint of Star Wars, like a Mustafar-like planet. Is that 
the case or there, there was there was like a lava planet that they went right. through and i think people just took it and it was like oh look in the background you can see a spike right. and everyone thinks uh, oh disney synergy like, yeah you know, like, like, so that like, is yeah. not the case but it's still kind of cool though when you think about it like there is a possibility that they just threw that in there as a nice little careful ease. rob no careful. no i know <laughs> i know i know i'm not giving you know i'm not giving them ideas um i'm just you know i just think it was a really nice little easter egg if they did do that but Look, I, as I, 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 I loved it. That's 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 the sum of it. It was all the other episodes up to this point were, you know, as I said, some were fun, some were dreadful, some were the worst, some were flawed, but this one really got to the point where you were like, actually, the stakes are so high, to the point where I want to know what happens next, and that's what you really want with an animated television series. And this, it felt actually, do you know what? This is the best way I can sum it up. Saturday morning cartoon at its best. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, that's a great shout, Rob. Uh, Tom, how about yourself? Are you going to gush over this as much as we are? Oh, I'm going to gush so much. It's going to get very, <laughs> I should have. I was going to say that sounds so bit, wrong. Little different. But you know what? I'm sticking to it. I'm gushing so mad right now for this episode. It was absolutely fantastic. It was my, to coin one of my favorite phrases, it was balls to the wall, batshit insane. Um, I mean, before I get into all the craziness, I will get a special shout out to like, you know, the, the, well, we won't call it the B plot, but like when, when they are just mostly focused on the earth and like what happened there and just, you just got, Natasha and Hawkeye, they're the only ones left. And Hawkeye is so broken. I loved a lot of the moments there. Like you, I love that scene where like the watchers, they're like, You're so close. It's it's right there. He's like, I could I could do it. I can interfere right now. I could I could just like flick it over at them. And then just yeah, I I thought it, it was another one with just like within that story there were some great little character moments. And I thought the directing and acting was just fantastic. To then get onto the so just seeing Ultron completely having decimated the universe, and you're thinking, well, what could he possibly do next? And the Watcher's even like saying this. He's like, oh, he stood there just like a dick, uh, and Ultron just like turning his head slowly. I remember just like like thinking, like, what what what's happening now? And then the Watcher, completely oblivious to it, is just like still narrating, going, he's become so powerful that he can uh, observe other like higher consciousnesses consciousnesses. And then Ultron's just like, yeah, I, I can fucking see you, mate. I can hear you. And then the watch is like, ah, okay, no, this this could be, this this could potentially be an issue. And then yeah, just when Ultron just smashes in, and it's just like, oh hi there. And they start fighting. It is, it's pure cape shit. It is, as you said, it's pure Saturday morning cartoons. It was just pure awesomeness. It was like I haven't like felt that much love for an animated fight since like Avatar. Um. Last day of Bender and Korra before people are going like, what, the blue people won with James? Well, that didn't have any good fight scenes. Um, it, it was it was just an absolute triumph. I, th- I do think the Doctor Strange episode for me just pips it, but I think it's going to be one of those things where like, if I watch What If Ultron won again, I'm going to be like, no, actually, I prefer this one and it'll just keep swapping. But it, it, it was brilliant. I thought Ultron, the Ultron in this was the Ultron we were promised in the Age of Ultron trailer which I really fucking loved. Um, not to disparage like Ultron from the film Age of Ultron, I did kind of like how they did it, but I never appreciated how movie Ultron was so different to trailer Ultron because they really did kind of pull a little bait and switch there or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, just like if if they have more, like I love when they get like all cosmic, when they get all huge and like high fucking concept stuff. So I want to see like more of this. I want to see more of like the higher orders, the higher pantheon of the universe, like come out. I want to see more big fights like this. I mean, just like just the the image of like a giant infinity ultron just like munching down on a galaxy it chef's kiss it, it was just like i was loving that fight already and then when that happened i remember almost like lifting myself out of my seat because i was just like oh my god this is so epic um and then yeah like, like you guys i was left at the end of the episodes just like i need i need to know how this resolves i need to see like just just more of this and him crashing into dr strange's place dr strange being like hmm what an odd little situation we find ourselves in here and watch us just like, yeah, mate, just let's just get on with it. So like seeing that build up and thinking like, okay, we're going to have Dark Strange and Watcher team up to like take down Ultron. Just, it was a fantastic episode. It's easily up there as like with the Doctor Strange one as the best the show has given us and some of the best stuff that Marvel has ever given us. And uh, yeah, I think uh, more of the same, please seems like uh, this show is the definition of a mixed bag. (laughs) (laughs) It's given us all sorts. Um, So, yeah, let's lead into the last episode then, which is what if the Watcher broke his oath and he is now interfering because he's been saying the whole series, I must not interfere. I can only watch. These are my stories. Uh, But he's feeling that all his stories are going to be destroyed, so he's got to finally interfere gathers not all but most of the characters we've been following throughout this series so he gets captain carter gets dark uh, dark doctor strange gets killmonger gets party thor t'challa star lord and yeah that's it i think is it is it i think so yeah i don't think i mean zola was there oh yeah zola zola of course so this is essentially. I, oh, oh my God. Um, Before we start off, though, can I just say how happy I was to finally see Zola's face on someone's stomach? Do you know how? <laughs> do you know how badly I've wanted that since they had Zola in the MCU? I just wanted, I wanted face stomach Zola, and they gave me face stomach Zola. Me it too. Love yeah, it. Same here. So happy. Yeah, I love that too. So, Rob, what did you think of this one? This was basically an all-out battle. Uh, in in a way, the sort of episode, a, a part two, you could say, of what was set up before. Um, I have some things to say about the Gamora aspect and how that was used, um, but we'll get into that. But what did you think of this episode? Um, yeah, I, I won't go too much into that either, but I felt that was a little bit strange um, that they brought in Gamora. So, And I did not know until recently that there was a missing episode, but I'm sure you'll go into that a little bit more. Um, but as, as a concept and as a finale to this series, I thought it was strong. I don't think it was as strong as episode eight, because I think episode eight really set up the stakes to where, you know, it was basically the empire strikes back to the return. And this is the return of the Jedi close it all off kind of thing. Just no Ewoks, sadly. Um, uh, but yeah, with, um, with this one, I liked the guardians of the multiverse. I think it has a really nice ring to it. Um, I like the fact that when he chose Killmonger, even I went, why would you choose him? Um, and it kept you thinking all the way through, right, there is a reason why he's brought in and it's not because 
that we consider him to be, you know, there's something, and again, it's then rounded off towards the end as to why. Um, I did, strangely enough, I did not mind Idiot Thor in this one uh, because clearly he's there to cause distractions um, and drink beer, I guess. Um, fine. Um, each to their own. Um, I, uh, the, the animation goes from, you know, I mentioned earlier that I really loved the animation in episode three with the two Doctor Strangers going backwards and forwards. And, you know, you can make the same argument with episode eight, but actually having... Um, all these different characters bring a certain different style of animation and style of fighting within all of this. It was very much almost, as I said earlier, with Brian Andrews's work with um, Jackie Chan Adventures um, and Samurai Jack, it was almost having those two marriage and blend together where you have this over-the-top, you know, uh, magic, kung fu, you know, fisticuffs thing working all around. And it was great. It was really good. Um a uh, really strong animation here, and it did have a very big epic feel to it, especially when Doctor Strange was doing like his octopuses and his dragons, and you know everything was, uh, you know, coming out of him. So you know, there we go. Um, title of his sex tape. Sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> it it does. It is it is a strong finale, I think, um, fundamentally. And uh, again, as you said, I, I love the fact that we had him on the screen finally. That was a nice little thing to finally see uh, in Marvel. And yeah, I, I don't think there's much more I can say apart from the fact that it did make me question what you know fun enough bringing up a what if now or you know what the hell are they doing now with black widow because is this their their way of you know potentially bringing in her back or something i i don't know it was very strange that ending for me i don't know it was do you know what i mean it was it was a very strange one but overall i think that these last two episodes i would say not just this one but these last two episodes really did help redeem um what if um the series for me as a whole and um if there's one little nitpick i will say about the um this episode i it was just i felt like it was so much a, a very much a convenient thing for doctor strange to be like oh yeah here's a protection spell have some magic on you woo you know like you're gonna fall off a cliff don't worry magic you know oh you're gonna fall over there oh don't worry magic oh you're gonna jump off from over there and land on over here and oh fry this arrow into the sky and not have a parachute don't worry magic i just thought all of it was just very no, it, it did seem, considering what Ultron had showed he could do, yeah, wipe, wiping out literal planets, <laughs> uh, yeah, the fact that it can't penetrate one of the old spells, yeah, okay, like, yeah, Tom, what did you think of the episode, the finale? Yeah, it was it was really really good. I don't. I think like uh, I had high expectations because of the previous episodes, as I think most people did. So I definitely was thinking at the end, okay not as strong as what if Ultron won. But I th I still think it was a very strong finale, considering like how they did actually manage to tie in a lot of the loose ends. Like not maybe not in a satisfying way. But I mean like you got this like oh the moment when they brought back zombie Scarlet Witch. <laughs> I was in that moment I was just like you fucked out Ultron and then it was like ten seconds later I was like nope. Uh <laughs> Just, just, yeah, I, it was a very enjoyable episode for like moments between uh, Natasha and uh, Cap Carter. 
loved their little friendship, loved them like teaming up on that one moment with just throwing the shield like back and forth at an Ultron and then just like, bah. great, love that. And also it's a maybe, because like I've heard rumors that they may bring in a live action MCU version of Captain Carter one day. So maybe please give us more of Natasha and Captain Carter. I know obviously it was, I think, was Lake Bell doing the voice yeah. in, in the show. Yeah, so not... Scarlet, but you know, I'm sure Scarlet would work very well with Peggy. Haley, sorry. So yeah, it was a very strong episode. Not the strongest, but I think definitely a very good finale. I didn't get like emotional when like we got like that happy ending for Black Widow, but I definitely was like, I noticed what they were doing there. Just like, you know, she didn't get a funeral in Endgame. At least here in this show, you've got a happy ending for the character. And just at that moment where she's like looking around and she's like, this place is a mess. And she's like, yeah, I'll do. Loved it. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's basically all I can say of the, on the episode. It maybe could have done things a little better. It maybe could have benefited from, because it was a finale, maybe having a bit more of an extended runtime. Um, just to maybe like build up a bit more. Because I did feel it was just like, I'm recruiting you, I'm recruiting you. Here's the deal. Now go fight. Um, could have done a bit more build up, um, especially because like some characters really suffered in this. Like, okay, sure, like Killmonger was kind of only there, so like they'd have a way of trapping the stones. But I don't think that was like a good enough because like literally throughout the entire episode, it wasn't a case of me thinking like, oh, I wonder what Killmonger's role in this. It was where the fuck is Killmonger? Like, seriously, you brought him here. Where the hell is he? I could see everyone else breaking their goddamn backs trying to kill this thing. Where the hell's Killmonger? That's true. Um, so I think they definitely could have done with maybe... Obviously, COVID may have affected it, but I think if they'd had a slightly longer runtime, maybe given a bit more focus, like maybe just have like a conversation between Killmonger and Uatu, where just like maybe you, you come... Like, not explaining shit, but maybe you come out of it thinking, has Uatu got something up his sleeve here in regards to Killmonger. You know, just give us something rather than just at the end going like, oh yeah, this is the entire reason he was here. Okay, okay, everyone's gone. Okay, thanks, bye. I was a bit like, right, well, that's... Uh... No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully with you guys there. The only thing, as I alluded to, is the Gamora thing that was a bit weird for me because we, we sort of said earlier that um, they planned 10 episodes and one of those episodes was the Gamora episode with Tony Stark with the Infinity Crusher. So for me, having her in this episode just sort of thrown in here and, you know, with the Infinity Crush, I was like, okay, well, what's the story behind this machine? What's happened in this universe? Why is she wearing Thanos' armor? And he's, she's got his, like, sword thing. Um, so, yeah, that for me was the only thing that was a bit odd. And I was like, well, this is not really matching up for everything else we have seen. And I, I read an interview um, with one of the creators they were saying that um, they had to choose between pushing the ep the whole series back, you know, delaying it essentially to finish off the last episode, or just releasing all nine the nine episodes they had finished, and moving this one to season two, and that's what they decided to do. So I'm thinking it's going to be really odd to now see that episode in season two. Uh, you know, is it because you have to think, oh, this is a prequel to the. <laughs> to the the finale so it's gonna be a bit odd that but that is the only really big complaint i have regarding this episode other than that 
not nowhere near the dramatic scale of episode eight, uh, but it still has a lot of great cape shit. I loved how all the heroes, um, co- you know, utilized each other's powers and worked together. I thought that was really great. Um, and yeah, and again, the voice cast all around was really good. We were about to go on a date. There were gonna be flowers, and I was gonna light candles, and I was gonna shower and do my hair. Nobody messes with Vegas. How about you? And you? Finally, Thor Odinson, Crown Prince of As. And you? And you? You've been. You've been. Cho- How about you too? Thor. Thor. And you? And you? Shh, calm down. Thor Odinson, Crown Prince of Asgard. You've been chosen. So l- let's close out then. We- we've given our thoughts on all these individual episodes. As we've said, it's a very much a mixed bag. Having th- gone through these episodes, I would say I like five of them, I would say. Four of them, not so much. So uh, it's very split down the middle there for me. Uh, seems like it's very much the same for everyone else on the panel today. Yeah, pretty much. Same. Yeah, pretty much. So... Rob, I'll go to you first now with this. What are your closing thoughts on this series? And what do you hope for season two? Um, so, yeah, I still think it's a mixed bag. I do think that the that they dropped the ball massively um, in one of their episodes in particular. And I think they really did miss some opportunities to actually bring in some new elements to uh, the new stage in their you know, phases. I mean, I don't know what phase they're on. Four is it now they're on? Um, Yeah, phase four. And I think moving forward, I want more original content. I want more original storytelling. I want episodes like episode eight and nine. I want episodes like um, Doctor Strange losing his heart instead of his hands. And I want to see the right balance between fun and um, drama, again, within uh, the context of these Marvel um, episodes moving forward. I would actually, you know, be open for them to do 45-minute long episodes. I know some people might think that might be too long, but um, I think that they are justifying it. Yeah, exactly, the money thing, yeah. Um, But I think... Just from what we've seen with season one, um, they need to think more smartly about the story choices that they're making right now and uh, the characters that they're working with. Because if they decide to branch off and um, change the characteristics like they have done in all of the episodes, I would argue, actually, to be fair, um, then they're going to lose their audience, I think. And they, um, you know, people will, will start to to have more of a backlash uh, against the choices that they are making here. Um, So I think more originality moving forward, push the boundaries of storytelling further, give us characters we haven't actually really explored as of yet, if possible, um, or even give us the smaller characters that we've only explored maybe once or twice and actually see more solo adventures with them. You know, I, I, you know me, I love my um, small character uh, big story um, ideas. So why not give us more of those? We Not every episode has to have an Avenger within them, I think. I think we could actually go further and beyond and actually explore 
um, what ifs with the smaller characters as well. But maybe that's just me. How about yourself, Tom? What are your closing thoughts on season one and what if, and what do you hope for in the next season? Yeah, I think like like I said at the start, overall, I'm feeling quite positive about this. Whilst there are like an unfortunate number of episodes that I'm either like met on or I don't like, which I wouldn't expect from a Marvel thing. Um, I do think it has a lot of promise just because of the concept, the medium, um, the things that they can do. Um, yeah, I think just like Rob said, just maybe more original stories. Maybe like they should switch to a model with just like they just have like guest writers come in to do certain episodes, like get some like big names in and like, like sure you can have like foot in. And I reckon as well, if they want to have an overarching story that leads to a tie in finale, maybe do it like just a little better. Like don't have all these cliffhangers at the end of the episodes where like, actually, even though you kind of resolve them, you also don't like, you just, you're just throwing zombies at Ultron now. And you're just like, Oh look, the zombies are here. Well, about Infinity Gauntlet's Thanos. What's happening there? Um, but yeah, bringing some like guest writers and stuff to do stuff, whether they're from the world of comics, whether they're from like the world of TV and film. Um, maybe get a mixture of both in or whatever. Just get experimental with it. I mean, you've got an animated series that's following like branches in the multiverse and diverging realities. You've got no excuse not to get experimental and weird with it. And that is what I think shocks me the most about this series is, you know, Doctor Strange and What If Ultron were notwithstanding, it was very safe. And it showed that they were playing it safe in a lot of parts and foaming it in in a lot of parts. It could have been so, so, so much better. Um, so, yeah, I think just... I, I have hope for the future of the series. I think come season two, I reckon they'll take all the you know, constructive criticism they receive on boards, have a look at like which which episodes resonated with the fans better than others. And I think we will see an improvement in the story choices, character choices, and just how it is. At least this is what I hope. And uh, just to end on a bit of a baseless, baseless speculation, but, uh, you know, if the rumors are true about the uh, Netflix characters, maybe we can see some uh, what-ifs with Daredevil and crew. By season two. Work. I mean, this is baseless spec. Well, not baseless speculation, it's fun but speculation. It is, it's very much speculation at this point. Holding our hope for Hawkeye. But here yes. we go. <laughs> I'm with you, Ton. I'm so glad you brought up the bringing on different writers because I feel as if that is what this show needs. And I even feel as if you said it's Brian Adams who did the whole show, Rob. Uh, Brian Andrews. Andrew, sorry, yeah. I was thinking that, not that uh, I Sorry, that's, um, that's my bad. Um, you know, while I think he's done a good job overall, I think it, you, it might even be worth looking at bringing different directors for different episodes as well. I agree. Because um, I think um, this, you know, they're all under the same umbrella company, so I'll, I'll use this comparison. But I feel as if Star Wars Visions, which has recently come out on Disney+, Plus. And while similarly I'm not a fan of all the episodes, I feel as if they have done a better execution of the concept of bringing on different writers and, and producers and creatives to tell unique stories within this established world and go a bit freaky, go a bit out there, have this opportunity with animation as well to do as many creative 
exciting things as possible. That's the one I see want to see for season two. And also going on what you said about playing it safe, I do agree with you on that. I think it is safe, but I also feel as if because this is Marvel Studios' first outing in animation on Disney+, Plus, which is still relatively new ground for them, I can understand why they wanted to play it safe. But... That is a fair point. There that is, is a fair point. But there's no excuse to play it safe in season two now. You've got the audience on board. People are aware of the concept of the multiverse now with Loki and, I'm sh- and future projects that we're going to see. By the time season two comes out, we would have seen Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. So people know about the multiverse. At that point, fucking go insane. Do you know what I mean? Like, go fucking out there. Um, so thank you all for listening to this show. Rob, thank you for coming on the show once again it's always a pleasure to have you on board no thank you very much and uh, thank you for allowing me to finally unleash that anger that i had about this because do you yeah. feel better now that it's like off your chest um yes in a way i do <laughs> um because i feel like you know just being having it kept up inside for so long you know because i'm waiting for everyone to kind of finally catch up with it all and you know you guys to finally just say do you know what this what the fuck were they thinking? You know, like, and just actually letting it all out. And yeah, but this does, this does um, um, need a rewatch, I think, to really take in everything that each episode is trying to do, except the Thor being an only I think, child. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you. I think I'll skip that yeah. one uh, of all the others. Um, but um, where can the, the audience catch you then, uh, Rob, and what you're getting up to? So um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Rob Ailing Film or on Instagram at, at Rob Ailing. Um, I'm sure you guys are aware of this, but if um, the people that are listening do not know, but I'm actually going to be at MCM Comic Con on Friday, the 22nd of October. Um, I'll be there with actor Vincent Jerome and another guest that you've had on the show, the comic connoisseur, Michael Adji. Um, he's going to be hosting um, a Living in Crime Alley panel discussion, and we're also going to screen the film. Uh, the costume designers here at Forge Studios are going to be there as well. It's literally going to be uh, a celebration of this incredible journey that this film has been on for its film festival circuit for the last two years now, almost. Um, 45 festivals and over 30 wins and nearly 40,000 views on YouTube alone. And, you know, the film is finding a new audience every single day and it will hopefully find a new one at Comic-Con. And if you've enjoyed anything that I've said about the Marvel um, What If series today, if you haven't, then sorry. Um, (laughs) But um, if you want to catch us there at Comic-Con and say hi or tell me I'm a prick to my face, then why not? Um, (laughs) Who knows? Um, But if you just want to hear me talk about my love for the fandom of, uh, and the world of Batman, then uh, come and join us, come and watch the film, come and meet the actors and the costume designers and Michael Adji. And let's just be nerds and hang out together as well. Um, And then in terms of other stuff I'm working on, I'm currently working on my debut feature film, as well as other short film projects as well. So, Watch this space. Watch this space indeed. And that's just your opinion, man. That's just your opinion, man. <laughs> Love that film. Tom, where can the people catch you, our comic shogun? They, they can catch me in, in their hearts, in their souls, in, uh, in their tea. 
I, I manifest through tea, actually, because I drink so much of it. But no, you can find me on Twitter, um, at Comic Book Shogun, um, where I just... I've been posting a lot about The Wire recently, and I've been trying to goad Rob into uh, Twitter feuds, but he he ignored me calling Batman only kind of cool, so uh, I don't know if that feud's happening. But, uh, yeah, you can just catch me on there. I talk so much shit um, that it's it's at least, some, at least some of the shit I talk has to be entertaining, um, I feel, you know. Even a, cl- even a broken clock is uh, right twice a day. So, yeah, at Comic Book Shogun, find me there, yell at me there. Um and yeah, just join in the conversation, man. Good stuff. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake, where I'm just keeps on retweeting stuff about Dune because we're just so close now. We're just so close. <sighs> and um, other than that, you can find me out in the desert um, on Letterbox <laughs> rating all the movies that I'm watching. Um, and as for the show, you can also find us on Twitter and maybe Facebook. We'll see at Capes, Cows, Masks. And whether you use Anchor, Spotify, Google or Apple, please subscribe and follow us on there. And if you're on Apple, leave us a rating and a review as it all helps us go up in the ranking. So we'll see you all next week for another spoiler review of Venom. Let there be carnage. You do not want to miss this one. (laughs) Tune in next week for that. We'll see you all very soon. Stay safe, everyone. Goodbye.